Rajni, what's wrong? Tom, I have a script and I don't know what to do with it. Should I burn it? Feed it to my cat? You need some writer's group therapy. Hello and welcome to Writer's Group Therapy. I'm Tom. And I'm Roshni. We're writers helping writers. Are you ready for your session? The doctors are in. And if you like what you hear, send us some love on iTunes. Give us a five-star rating. Yeah, five sounds good, doesn't it? Yeah, five would be great. Thank you. (laughs) And share it with your friends. So let's talk about something that's kind of a hot topic, and we're not talking about the weather here in L.A., diversity. Diversity in writing, diversity in casting, diversity in diversity. (laughs) So you obviously have a little more experience with this topic than I do. So (laughs) as a writer who writes for yourself as an Asian American woman, uh, what do you think about when you're writing parts for, for yourself or when you're going out and auditioning for parts? It's interesting because I think that a lot of roles written, whether it's stuff that's already been produced or stuff that's coming out now, many themes are universal. So, you know, take a rom-com. It doesn't have to be, you know, the klutzy white woman in the lead. It could be a klutzy black woman. It could be a klutzy Asian woman. It could be a klutzy Native American woman, you know, whatever. It doesn't have to be the traditional white guy, white girl rom-com that we're used to seeing. And the best friend doesn't have to be a minority. That's partly casting. Right. But I think also writers, it starts with us, when we write roles for people, we need to realize you can have diverse leads and just do touches of culture without being heavy-handed. Take, for example, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, where the lead guy is Filipino and there's touches of his culture, but they don't hit you over the head with the fact that he's Asian-American. Right. And well, for example, I know I know you're writing a rom-com that features a a woman who runs a company, and that could be any gender or race run doing that. It could be any any, but you've written it, you know, kind of with your yourself in mind, and and then the character and the company actually do have a cultural positioning to them, but it's not like you wrote it as a Asian story, so to speak. Yeah, again, it's not heavy-handed. There's little touches in there where. They throw in a couple uh, Tagalog terms. The company is related to immigration and her family's experience with immigration, but you could tweak it. You could tweak it. But again, things like love, loss, uh, ambition, whatever, those are all universal themes. I understand now, obviously, in some films like 12 Years a Slave, that has to be black and white people. I get it. You know, hairspray, that has to be black and white people. I get it. But for the most part, I would say 90% of stories out there, it, it really is irrelevant. You wrote Reclamation, you specifically wanted an Asian family, but us being Asian wasn't necessarily relevant to the story. No, it wasn't. It, we, we just knew you were going to play the lead. And while you can do different kinds of you know, methods to create a blended family or you know, having diversity within the family itself, we just decided to make the family Asian since you're Asian. So we found some really great Asian actors to play the parts, and everyone did a great job. And there's nothing culturally particular about uh, about the the roles or the story. I think the the biggest thing we did was we called um, 
the grandmother Lola, which is what I call my grandmother. Right. And we had a nickname for the lead, which in my family, we love nicknames. I'm sure every family loves nicknames, but like, I don't know, Filipinos, for, to my knowledge, we love our nicknames. Everybody's got a nickname in our family. But that was it. We weren't really hitting the, over the head like, oh my gosh, and it's an Asian family, and it's a black recruiter, and it's a whatever. You know, we weren't, we weren't mm-hmm. doing that because it wasn't relevant. Right. And, and that was the great thing about working with you on the project is you brought things to the story that had those slight cultural um, specificity, the accuracy, or trying to make it a little more authentic. That I wouldn't even know. So, you know, by having a diverse production team with producers and, and our director, Allison, you know, obviously is a woman, um, she brought unique things uh, to the story that I w- didn't put in the script because I didn't understand, you know, the female character as well as she did, you know. So that was also, I guess, another side of diversity that we, we addressed in that. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, that's diversity in casting. That's what you see visually. Mm-hmm. But as writers, how do you think? Okay, so I mean, obviously, there's diversity, like things like Blackish or Fresh Off the Boat, that has to be written from a certain perspective. You have to have Black people or Asian people in the writer's room because they understand what it's like to grow up Asian or to grow up Black in a white suburb or whatever. But then you also just have general stories where it really doesn't matter. I love um, Superstore. I'd been following a lot of Superstore because I was writing spec scripts for it. Very diverse cast. And the diversity means nothing. It doesn't mean anything that you have a Latina lead. It doesn't mean anything that one of the guys is handicapped. It's just they're all people. So as writers, how do we foster diversity starting with our writing but not make it heavy-handed or preachy or – do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Right. Well, I think think you touched on it with the blackish and the fresh off the boat. It's kind of like – um, dif- differentiating between a stereotype, which is what we don't want to do, and characters. So you can have unique characters without using their culture as a crutch or falling back on you know stereotypes to say, oh, this person's this kind of character because they are you know fall into that ca- stereotype. It's it's about writing. I guess it's really about writing really interesting characters. So it doesn't matter your race or 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 whatever, you know, as long as you've got this kind of unique character that people can relate to because of their issues and their problems and their sense of humor and their, you know, quirkiness or whatever it is. So really, I mean, that's what people, you know, fall in love with on shows is the characters. So it doesn't always matter what race they are as long as you've written a good character and not, you know, cheapened it with, you know, stereotypes, you know. The stereotypes thing, actually, that's a very interesting point. I was talking to a lady, I went to a Writers Guild event recently, and we were talking about the reboot of Will and Grace. And I saw Will and Grace when it first came out. I haven't watched the reboot, but we were talking about, because it was so cutting edge when it came out. And I'm not saying it's not funny now, but that also makes me wonder, when you go into stereotype territory, the things that were cutting edge when they first came out might feel tired now, right? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, because our perception of certain, you know, races, religions, stereotypes changes over time. Mm -hmm. You know, the things that we that were, quote unquote, funny when I was growing up in the 80s, you know, that we saw on Saturday Night Live and and on other sitcoms, you know, you wouldn't even dare touch it now. You know, it's you know, because we've grown uh, with our sensitivity 
and with our, you know, our, our culture has changed to be more accepting and, and understanding so that we're not, you know, going to go back to those sorts of, of uh, you know, I would say easy, you know, kind of ways to just kind of joke about things that we're not you know, probably not completely appropriate or, or now they're definitely not appropriate. But back then when you had a different, you know, audience, you know, you, you could get away with different things, you know? Yeah. I mean, although, you know, although I grew up watching things like Archie Bunker and Sanford and Son, so, you know, they had a lot of stereotypes in them, but they also did it, did it in a way that they were trying to shed a light on, you know, discrimination and, you know, race and, and, uh, you know, you know, cause you know, a, a, you know, a large white audience watching something like Sanford and Son and making it a hit show was kind of, you know, really groundbreaking at the time too. So when did that come out? I remember like hearing about it vaguely, but I think it might've been. It was the seven, late seventies, early eighties, I think. Okay. Yeah. I think yeah. I caught it. You know, it was like the Jeffersons. That was another one that really dealt with grace, you know, pretty strongly, very strongly actually. And, and, uh, growing, uh, not growing pains, uh, different strokes. Yep. You know, I remember that one. That was, yeah. yeah. So all those things were, they did it and, and, and they, they, they shined a bright line on it because a bright light on it, because they were trying to address those sorts of issues and they did it very well. And that's why they're very, you know, even across, you know, a, a broad spectrum of the audience was very popular. Nowadays though, do you feel like we, we write for niche markets though? Are we segregating our audience? I just thought that I mean, I think it's always kind of happened. And I think in a way to push a more diverse agenda, it has to happen. Like you had the Cosby show and you had the George Lopez show. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. Well, now there's uh, like superheroes even. There's this thing on the CW called Black Lightning. It's an all-black oh, superhero fan. Yeah, it's doing great. Actually, the the gentleman who's the lead used to teach acting classes at the church I used to go to. So he oh, was wow. very much uh, giving back to the community. So we're all like, yeah, go Chris. But yeah, that's yeah, that's a very good example. But again, I mean, the themes are universal. So that's why it works. Mm-hmm. And I mean, hey, with the advent of Black Panther, I mean, we can see that, yes, minorities can totally carry a property and win big. So that's not mm-hmm. a hard sell. It makes me wonder, too, like, how do you write stuff that would be timeless? Like, I think Black Panther is timeless. I think I could watch that 10 years from now and still like it. But like, for example, 16, I was like thinking of uh, 16 Candles. Have you seen the, I've seen it. Um, well, have you seen it, first of all? 16 Candles? Yeah. Is it, you mean the 1980s Molly Ringwald movie? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. With the long duck dong? Mm-hmm. Well, not only that, but there's even just like more subtle racist jokes in there. I don't know if you know it very well, but there's a thing in the beginning where Molly Ringwald's talking to her white best friend, and she says something like, oh, I always thought my 16th birthday would be amazing, and I'd meet this guy, and we'd do it on a cloud, and we wouldn't get herpes. And oh, something about doing it in a car. She said something about like, we do it in a Trans Am and we wouldn't get herpes or something. And her friend goes, oh, "What?" I can't remember the exact line, but she asks about the color of the car and she goes black. And the friend's like, black guy. And she's like, no, pink guy, black Trans Am. I don't oh, remember geez. the exact yeah. lead up, but it's basically like, oh my, like it's a horrifying thing. Like you would do it with a black guy. We've come a long way from the eighties. You know, I yeah. can't watch that movie without cringing at that line. It's horrifying, mm-hmm. you know? And I remember watching it as a kid and being like, something doesn't seem right here, you know? 
Yeah, it's kind of funny. Uh, this is just, I work at a tour company in Hollywood, and we have a video we play of Michael Buble's Christmas special from just three years ago. And he actually makes a few, there's a few jokes in it about like immigrants and Canadians. And, you know, be, and, and it's, it's not as funny as it used to be. People don't laugh at it. You, you know, these are supposed to be like the big jokes that landed during this little bit they did. And I was, it's really surprising how, you know, just in just a few years, how quickly things change. Do you remember the exact wording? Like what, what the joke uh, Well, Jay Leno asks Michael Buble um, if he's from Canada. And Michael Buble says he's from Vancouver. Yes, he's Canadian. And, and uh, Jay Leno says something to the effect of, uh, Michael Buble is hosting a Christmas special, so he's taking a job away from an, an American. Mm. So okay. you know, and yeah, and then there's another one where Michael Buble talks about, oh, this was Justin Bieber's old house before his neighbors kicked him out, and he says he always thought that was racist because you know, and he makes some funny Canadian talk, you know, verbiage. How the Canadians say, hey, yeah, you know, you sure, yeah, and um, and it just doesn't land very funny. It's not actually, huh. but. He's Canadian, so I guess he can make Canadian jokes. But yeah, it was it's, yeah. So it just and that was just a couple of years, two three years ago. Yeah, those things just fall flat now. You do have to watch like what the climate is when you're writing something because the tones change and you know things that were like we were just talking about Will and Grace, things that were super funny and super cutting edge five years ago, ten years ago might be really old and stale by now because we've moved on mm -hmm. and it's partly cultural sensitivity and it's partly maybe being a little scared of offending people. So this might be a little controversial. I don't think you should be afraid of offending people in your writing, but as long as you do it in a way where you have done your research and you know that it's okay to say or do a certain thing, if that makes sense. I, I would add, as long as there's a purpose to it. Yeah, don't just do it to be a jerk. But like, I mean, look at South Park. They offend everybody and everybody loves it, you know. But every cultural group has their in-jokes where it's like, it's okay for them to say that offensively to each other, but it's not okay for an outsider to. Mm -hmm. So things like that. You can totally do those things. If you know, like if you have, like you said, a purpose and you know what it is and you're very clear on what you're doing it for. But don't just do it to make, say, to, to show the audience that, oh, this is a character of this, you know, nationality or this gender or this, you know, sexual orientation. You know, the, the days of the flaming, you know, homosexual, I, I, I mean, you, you just don't see that. You see gayer characters on TV all the time now, mm -hmm. but they're not all i mean they're all just people working you know yeah police officers and and doctors and lawyers and whoever else they are they they're just people and we don't have to we don't have to put a you know hammer at home that oh yeah look they're a gay person because they talk this way or or african american or asian or whatever it is and you know actually speaking of the sexuality thing to me that's really interesting because sometimes it's not even really relevant to the story if unless it's about their sexuality and it plays into it somehow. Like, I don't really care if it's a gay cop because what does that, you know, like when they had um, Solo came out and everyone's like, oh, Lando's pansexual. And I'm like, do I care? Does it affect the character in a big way? I don't know. Yeah. And the uh, freedom fighting robot. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, the jokes that she told about like, oh, he wants me or whatever are funny, but it didn't, I don't know. I was just like, I don't really care. It doesn't add anything 
to me no. in the story. So yeah. So what do you guys think? Where are you on the diversity debate? Let us know at Writers Group Therapy. You can find us on Twitter at WG Therapy. Our website is writersgrouptherapy.com. Also our Facebook group. Join in the discussion. Let us know what you think. And if you like what you hear, subscribe and share it with your friends. We'll see you next week.